Hello. The title of this episode is Who Was Norman F. Uh, Dacey? I'll be spending the entire show telling you more than you probably want to know about the man. He, as of the time I'm writing this sentence, does not even have a Wikipedia page. It's incredible considering that one of his books sold 2 million copies, according to his um, New York Times obituary. 2 million copies for a book is a major blockbuster. The book is called How to Avoid Probate. I'll briefly discuss that book later, but for now I'll mention the the about the author section from that book because I believe it tells people why we should care at all about who this author was. It reads, quote, Norman F. Dacey is America's best-known professional estate planner. He has reached and influenced more people with his philosophy than any other financial planner in history, guiding millions toward the goal of personal financial security. The Senate Antitrust and Monopoly Subcommittee invited him to serve as a special consultant. More than 10,000 banks, insurance companies, and investment firms have distributed his estate planning materials. His His recent bestseller, What's Wrong with Your Life Insurance, is now in its eighth printing. Said the New York Times, quote, It's a book for every man with brains enough to think freely and clearly about his fi- uh, family's financial future, unquote. Most of this show will be spent reading and commenting on the book just mentioned, What's Wrong with Your Life Insurance? According to the New, according to the New York Times obituary, Dacey's third major book was Dacey on Mutual Funds. That book is interesting because it recycles talking points from the book about life insurance like virtually all commenters commenters today. Dacey was opposed to permanent life insurance. He would fit in with contemporary financial experts, but in the 60s he was ahead of his time. Andrew Tobias mentioned Dacey's book in his book on insurance companies titled The Invisible Bankers. He also mentioned The Mortality Merchants, a book I quoted from a lot in the pilot episode. Tobias wrote that books attacking the life insurance industry didn't have much effect. What actually made a difference was the high inflation that got out of control in the late 70s. I'll begin by commenting on what Dacey wrote in his book, Dacey on Mutual Funds. Contrary to the author of The Mortality Merchants, Dacey was not ashamed to promote the, quote, buy term and invest the difference creed. Invest in what? Clearly, any investment is better than simply saving your money. Why? Because inflation. He had a point. According to him, earlier generations generally, generally did not, quote, save and invest. They just saved, unquote. Knowing little about inflation and caring less, the average man hoarded dollars in a, in a savings account or in the cash value life insurance policy. 
he was content to turn his money over to others who paid him rent for it in the form of interest while they put it to work and built fortunes in which he did not share, unquote. Dacey, in this book as well as in the, the one critical of life insurance, taught that inflation was inevitable. The author of The Mortality Merchants apparently plagiarized what Dacey wrote on the subject of inflation, as you can see by comparing the two books. In his book on mutual funds, he gives what he believed was the sad truth about inflation. He wrote, quote, Arnold Toynbee, the great, I mean, the, the British historian, reports no recorded instance where a, nation, a nation's currency did not gradually lose its value. Historically, then, money has been a bad investment, and it's unrealistic to assume that our currency would do something no currency in history has ever been able to do. That is, retain its real value, its purchasing power. Because of inflation, the people who purchased life insurance aren't retiring, according to Daisy. They're instead, quote, working at odd jobs trying to keep going, unquote. It's depressing to have to say that old people reportedly had to go through the same ordeal after the 2008 stock market crash because they had a portfolio, portfolio like everyone else. According to Crash Proof Retirement by Philip J. Canella III, Bob, an elderly man from Wilmington, Delaware, came to the author with a disastrous situation. Bob told the um, the author, Phil, I'm 84 years old. I retired almost two decades ago with $500,000 worth of stocks on the market. Two-thirds, Phil. I lost two-thirds of my retirement. The value dropped to $120,000. The unquote. The author asked Bob how he was dealing with the situation. Bob said, quote, I had to go back to work, and now I'm working the Home Depot in my in my hometown. I did everything they told me to do, Phil. What happened? Unquote. Daisy wrote his book right before the US dollar became pure fiat money. His ideas about inflation would not be contradicted by events. Um, in the mutual funds book as well as the life insurance book, he argued that inflation is quote a natural law like gravity. He taught that inflation quote has gone on for all recorded time and will continue to do so, unquote. I think that he ignored I think that he ignored the fact that the US experienced deflation during the nineteenth century and even in the twentieth century in spite of the existence of the Federal Reserve System. Unlike Daisy, I believe that inflation is a policy choice, but I'll concede that Daisy was correct that inflation is more likely than not to happen in the future. I'll also concede that inflation will destroy the value of a cash value life insurance policy. Daisy mentioned how people in Germany were left with almost nothing because of the hyperinflation that occurred in the 1920s. You can rule out life insurance if high uh, inflation is truly inevitable. Inflation, however, is not literally inevitable, so it's not as easy to predict as Daisy made it seem. Uh, even if we knew there would be inflation, it's a myth 
that the stock market is a good inflation hedge. Anyone aware of the last three years should be able to acknowledge that fact. Now that we've covered some of Daisy's core beliefs, I'm going to go backwards and focus on the points made in this long critique of uh, cash value life insurance. The book is uh, the book again is called What's Wrong with Your Life Insurance, and it was published in the early 1960s. On page 68, he goes on a rant against permanent life insurance. He implied that insurance companies should only sell term insurance. He wrote, "Insurance companies aren't satisfied to sell you protection. They want more than the premiums for protection. They want your whole income." They pat you on the head as if you were a small and not too bright child and patiently point out that you don't know anything about handling money. Don't take a chance, Joe, they say. Send it all to us. We'll take care of it. It'll be safe, Joe. Just think of it. Protection for the little woman, education for the kids. And in the, sun, and in the sunset years, when you reach age 100, and this policy matures, you can sit back and really enjoy life. Send, send it along to us, Joe. Don't take a chance. Um, as a coup de grace, the agent reaches into the closet and gives the skeleton of the 29 crash a good rattle. And the deed is done. A, a surprising number of Joes do, quote, send it along. Perhaps it is a reflection of this generation's veneration for security. The... They're willing to take, uh, no, the the risk of equity ownership goes hand in hand with progress, according to Daisy. He says, um, where people refuse to take these risks and prefer to invest only in high-grade uh, fixed income-bearing securities, the economy of the country is bound to stagnate. Millions of uh, American families cannot participate, and this is, again, this is still Daisy talking. Uh, millions of American families cannot participate in the growth of the country because they depend upon life insurance as a financial way of life. This is a tragedy for them and for the country. In view of the staggering price the American people have paid over the years to learn that life insurance is not a good investment, uh, should not the industry now abandon its pretensions in this area and devote itself exclusively, exclusively to providing protection, maximum protection, that is, at minimum uh, outlay. Life insurance companies constantly claim that the American people simply will not save on their own. This is ridiculous. Um, and that that's, and it, it, that's uh, his rant against permanent life insurance. Um, on, per, on page uh, 71, Dacey again says that the insurance industry relied on the great crash that preceded the Great Depression. According to him, ever since, a quote, ever since the 1929 crash of the stock market, insurance salesmen have talked endlessly about the danger of investment in securities and have eulogized the safety of life insurance. Insurance was the only thing which came through the Depression unscathed, they report, unquote. In spite of the crash of, 19, uh, of 2008, it's still uh, normal today for people to invest in the stock market the attitudes of the public has have changed a lot um, since the 60s, but the stock market would have been a bad investment uh, during the 70s, and, and people would have been wise to stay away from stocks and whole life during that period. Just because whole life is a bad place to put your money, it doesn't mean that mutual funds are good investments. 
Dacey is biased toward mutual funds. On page um, 107, he wrote, quote, insurance men engaged in a bitter competitive fight with mutual funds for the investment dollars of the public uh, uh, to fight it out on grounds of, uh, wait, no. And they, I'm sorry. Insurance, quote, insurance men engaged in a bitter competitive fight with mutual funds for the investment dollars of the public. And they, uh, and they chose to fight it out on the grounds of safety. Many people, they declaim, have had occasion to sell mutual fund shares for less than they uh, paid for them. Life insurance, with its guaranteed cash values, eliminates the possibility of loss. Um, this, and this is still Dacey. He says, uh, let it be set down here for the record that in each of the last 20 years, more money has been lost by people lapsing and surrendering insurance policies that has been lost by all the people who liquidated mutual fund shares at a loss in the in the entire past 20 years unquote on page uh, 307 he made a great observation quote as investments life insurance and mutual funds are quite dissimilar of course although both fluctuate life insurance fluctuates in purchasing power mutual funds fluctuate in dollars unquote um, authors today mention that whole life insurance is, un is unaffordable, is not affordable. Like them, Dacey mentioned how likely it, w it is for these policies to lapse. On page 87, he wrote, quote, During the year 1960, $30.1 uh, billion of ordinary and industrial life insurance already in the books, equivalent to 8.5% of all the life insurance enforced was lapsed or surrendered lapsed means that it was terminated without any benefit whatever to the policyholder surrendered means that they that he got some of the money back usually considerably less than he put in unquote just like today if the policyholder doesn't keep his whole life policy for a long time he takes a loss according to Daisy, the period used to be over uh 20 years i i don't think that's the case anymore but i'm not sure um see the pilot episode for more comments on this issue Daisy explained, um, quote, the cash value is not equal to the full reserve of the advanced premiums and, sa and savings dollars. Um, during the first 20 years, a surrender charge is levied. If you withdraw, you don't get all of your money back, unquote. Considering that COVID-19 emerged in uh, 2020, Daisy's comments about epidemics haven't aged well. He felt that the whole um, life insurance premiums were too high and that the companies were needlessly overcharging their customers. Um, he acknowledged that mutual companies would at least send back the money and call it dividends, but he didn't think that the companies needed to charge a lot just in case there was an epidemic. On page uh, 114, he wrote, um, quote, experience has shown that there may occur from time to time adverse fluctuations in experience departing from normal uh, more severely than provided for by the reasonably conservative reserve assumptions. Thus, during the influenza epidemic of 1918 and 19, the mortality rates experienced for a few months were some 50% greater than those experienced immediately before or after the epidemic, unquote. Uh, on page 274, he quoted an author who said, quote, in this day and, and generation, with the mortality tables having been proven more than sufficient 
and notwithstanding the greatest war of all time with property values stabilized and the possibility of epidemic removed, there would seem to be no reason or excuse for the system of continuing to collect from the public a larger premium than is necessary to, to guarantee safety, stability, and perpetuity, yet this is just the system being pursued by the mutual companies today. True it is, True it is that an endeavor is made through dividends to return this overcharge at a future date, but why collect it in order to return it, unquote. Um, I don't know how anyone got the idea that the, that the possibility of an epidemic was, quote, removed. Uh, clearly, that's nonsense. Maybe the insurance companies were justified after all. Um, again, Dacey seemed to believe that the only, that, that, um, that only term insurance was legitimate, on page 144, he wrote, quote, it is a uh, fundamental principle of insurance that we insure risks. And risk implies the, the, the possibility of loss. If loss is inevitable, there is no risk. And insurance is impractical, if not impossible. Um, death is certain to occur. Therefore, nobody will insure you against death. We can, however, insure against death within a certain period of time. Um, a, a second fundamental, fundamental principle of insurance is that we insure only economic as distinguished from sentimental values. How much um, economic, economic value is there wrapped up in your uh, earned income after age 65? None if you retire. Unless it is for some special purpose, then life insurance should be planned to terminate at, eight, at um, age 65, unquote. Um, authors today say similar things. Daisy would fit in with the, the financial advisor crowd in 2023, 60 years after he start, uh, first started publishing. On page 160, he seemed to be saying that cash value insurance is even worse than a savings account. Uh, quote, another generation of Americans will die leaving families inadequately protected simply because they waste the bulk of their precious premium dollars buying savings accounts um, from an insurance company. Savings accounts, which they could obtain in a bank or through a savings bonds um, without paying anyone a commission, unquote. He may have a point now that banks are paying more than 0% interest. Of course, the cash value won't matter if the insurer dies. He observed, quote, it doesn't matter to you how much the cash value increases the company is going to use it when you die unquote um, later in the book he compared whole life to buying term and investing the difference because the two premiums um, oh buying term I'm sorry he, he compared whole life to buying term and investing the difference between the two premiums and, and, and investing that money um, in a savings account quote the savings bank won't pay anyone a commission for selling you the savings account. Your money will be added to, nothing will be taken from it. Uh, incidentally, the savings bank will pay you a higher rate of interest than the insurance company will. So whether it be five years or 55, you will accumulate, accumulate more cash that way. Um, if you live, you'll be better off. But what happens if you die? Your family will have all the money in the savings bank. They will have both instead of the insurance company using your savings account to help pay the claim. Uh, unquote. 
Um, I'm, I'm amazed at his analysis. Uh, certainly, if the policyholder lives, he's better off unless his life is awful or something. Um, his family, however, however, will never get the death benefit if the insured outlives his term insurance. Um, by bringing up commissions, he was a forerunner to all the authors who argue that the commissions are a deal breaker. Um, no one denies that you shouldn't buy whole life uh, if the policy is going to lapse in three years. If you know that you're going to live and that the policy will lapse, of course you should have just put the money in a jar or something. Um, the, the, the problem is no one knows for sure that he's, going, that he's not going to die tomorrow. Um, people, people should, however, have some idea about the stability of their future income. Regardless, it's, it's not as if the whole life policy is just a savings account, so it's not necessarily absurd that someone gets a commission for selling it. Um, I already compared whole life to savings accounts in an article titled, um, Is Infinite Banking Too Good to Be True? It's on oldbluffer.com if you want to dive deeper into this issue. Um, when financial experts used uh, used to recommend um, whole life insurance, they would point out that the cash value uh, gives the policyholder liquidity, whereas other investments would be less liquid for one reason or another. On, on page 162, Dacey countered what um, the insurance company the insurance companies uh, said about the, their policies liquidity or their products liquidity quote um, are they are they going to trot out all the same tired old statistics about the market crash of 1929 and what happened to stocks etc will the facts the will the quote facts include anything about the moratorium on payments uh, of cash values or the old patter about quote liquidity unquote um, for those who aren't aware, there was a so-called, uh, quote, bank holiday around the time that Franklin Roosevelt was inaugurated. Um, it meant that people couldn't withdraw money from banks. Likewise, the insurance companies uh, tried to stop people from taking advantage of uh, the cash values. Um, see Andrew Tobias, uh, The Invisible Bankers, page 30, uh, 312 and 313 for more information. Um, for more uh, for information on the scandal, and, and I won't deny that it was scandalous. Um, people should be aware of something like that uh, happening again, especially if, if it says somewhere in the fine print that the insurance companies are allowed to take emergency measures. Um, even if there is no moratorium, Dacey isn't satisfied. He wrote that uh, the companies will, quote, lend you money, your money, but they'll charge you twice the interest they're paying you for it, unquote. The terms may be better now, but it shows that there is a uh, catch to the liquidity that companies brag about. Um, Dacey actually contradicted himself because he wrote on page 180 that, quote, the cash surrender value is not the property of the insured, unquote. Um, in other words, it's not literally the policyholder's money. Dacey evidently forgot that he wrote that because on page um, 282, he reported that insurance companies, quote, are grievously hurt when critics mentioned that um, policyholders are paying interest to borrow their own money, unquote. He, of course, was one of those critics. He wrote, um, quote, I'm, I'm all for having an emergency fund, but if you want to use your emergency fund on which you are presently receiving something less than 3% per year interest from the insurance company, the company will lend your own money back to you at 6% interest. 
Doesn't that seem silly, borrowing back your own money for twice the rate at which you are lending it? Unquote. Um, admittedly, uh, you would have more liquidity with a uh, savings savings account, but your family will never get the death benefit, and you and you will never be able to sell your policy to an investor for some amount that would necessarily be between the cash surrender value and the face amount. Uh, as mentioned in the last show, once a policyholder gets to be a senior citizen, the whole life policy can be sold for whatever price he can get. Um, again, see uh, see Andrew Tobias, The Invisible Bankers, page nine, uh, 299, for more about life insurance policies being sold to speculators during the 19th century. Some points may be redundant, but um, Dacey laid out the case for, quote, buy term and invested difference over several pages. Point one, inflation has gotten, no, inflation has gone on for all recorded time. It is a natural law like gravity. Um, Arnold Toynbee reports that he has never studied a civilization whose money didn't eventually peter out. Point two, uh, the stock market isn't a bad investment compared to whole life. Quote, the American people have had average holdings over the last 25 years totaling $401.8 billion. On this, they have suffered a 58% loss in purchasing power or, um, or, or $233 billion. This actual loss dwarfed the paper loss in 1929. Infl point three, inflation means that life insurance is a mistake. Quote, have you taken into account the most deadly weakness of life insurance, its vulnerability to inflation. Uh, thousands of old people have had to go back to work because the, quote, guaranteed income from their uh, um, insurance was no longer sufficient to pay their living expenses, unquote. Point four, over the long run, you do well if you invest in the stock market. Quote, business activity has its ups and downs. The investor in common stocks must expect them. Uh, but in the long run, an accumulating share in the growth and earning of the major American industries seems a good way to assure a healthy retirement income, unquote. Later in the book, uh, he wrote, quote, a number of studies of the results of common stock investing have been made over the years by competent organizations, one of them survey surveying the trend of stock earning and prices over the years, concluded that between annual dividends and average annual appreciation in price, the total overall gain averaged out to approximately 8.5% per year over all the years since 1870. Uh, it, unquote, um, it's common now for buy-term and invested difference authors to provide a figure for how good returns have been in the last 20 years, 80 years, etc. Of course, the figures trotted out are not after-tax figures, the tax situation complicates matters. Uh, see the pilot episode for more details about tax advantages of life insurance. Toward the end of the book, Dacey wrote, It is the general practice of life insurance agents to condemn equity investments in general and mutual funds in particular, unquote. I, I can't speak about what life insurance agents are, are saying today, but um, financial commenters generally don't discourage people from investing in funds tied to the stock market averages. Uh, quite the opposite is true today. Daisy may have had the right message at the wrong time, considering that there was a historic bear market during the 70s. Um, that episode was long forgotten by the 20th century. 
and Daisy's advice became commonplace ironically around the time that he died in 1994. We haven't even started talking about what is almost certainly his best-selling book, um, How to Avoid Probate. Uh, judging by what I've seen in other books, Daisy has been totally forgotten by the state by the estate planning community. According to a book from 2017, um, quote, most people doing estate planning use a revocable living trust to avoid the hassles and expenses of probate. I started practice back in 1987, and at that time, no one was doing living trusts. They were uh, essentially unheard of, unquote. Um, I, I was surprised to read these words because, as we'll see, Norman Dacey wrote a blockbuster book prom promoting living trusts to avoid uh, probate and published it in um, 1965. Um, if, if you aren't aware, uh, probate is, quote, a complex, expensive, court-supervised process, um, unquote, that many families have had uh, have to go through even if the deceased person had a will. Daisy taught that you need a will even if you set up a living trust. If you die without even having a will, then you died uh, interstate, as they say. Um, Daisy called the probate system a, quote, racket. It continued to exist because, quote, to end it will re require legislative action. And the state legislatures of America have are controlled by lawyer members who have a vested interest in continuing the system exactly as it is, unquote. Long before it was commonplace, Daisy advocated using the, the revocable living trust. Even after his book sold extremely well, people still weren't using it. He explained, um, there are two principal types of trusts. The most common, the testamentary trust, is called uh, it's so-called because it is established under the provisions of your last will and testament. This testamentary trust would not become effective until your will had passed through probate. The second and far less well-known type of trust is the inter vivos or living trust. The inter vivos trust, uh, you see, is exempt from, pro is exempt from probate. So why didn't anyone know about this option? Daisy's answer... Quote, most attorneys derive a substantial proportion of their income from seeing the estates of deceased uh, clients through probate. Seriously now, do you expect them to tell you how to avoid probate? Unquote. Um, Daisy referred to the living trust as a, quote, magic key and the, quote, legal wonder drug. According to Daisy, you, you still need a will. You still needed a will. But the living trust gave your family benefits that you wouldn't get if you just made a will. Unlike a will, uh, the terms of a living trust are not disclosed to the probate court and its assets and the identity of the persons to receive them are closely guarded secrets. Secrets. According to Daisy, an, an inter vivos or living trust is distinguished by its privacy. Parties likely to protest may not even learn of the settler's um, death until long after when the transference of the property is a fait accompli. In a word, the publicity of probate invites attack upon a will. The privacy of an inter vivos trust discourages it, unquote. He emphasized that he was, quote, speaking of a revocable trust, one which may be altered or canceled completely at any time. Um, unquote, Daisy 
Daisy's recommendations here are widely embraced now. The book's backstory is, is like something out of a movie. He was sued for practicing law without authorization, and the case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and Daisy lost. Um, my evaluation is that Norman F. Daisy deserves to at least have his own Wikipedia page. Um, some of his critiques are outdated simply because the life insurance companies had to evolve a lot since the 1960s. Uh, even though the details have changed, um, Daisy's complaints about cash value life insurance are still echoed today. Unlike today's critics, Daisy wrote a rather long book on the subject. Um, I didn't find much in his book that I didn't already know. It's not Daisy's fault, however, as, as mentioned, I've learned, uh, I, no, I've read a book called The Mortality Merchants, and I'm almost positive that the author of that book used, used Daisy's book as a source. Daisy wrote his book first, and his views are now mainstream. Um, at least some parts of his writings are timeless. Like contemporary authors, Daisy's, Daisy has a fallback position where he says that the whole life insurance isn't even real insurance. I, I think those parts may still be of interest in the future. Uh, like some popular authors today, Daisy believed that insurance should uh, only be there to protect people from loss. Uh, quote, the life insurance policy so long as it is a life insurance contract, is not an investment at all. When, if ever, it becomes an investment, it is no longer life insurance, unquote. In Daisy's view, all permanent life insurance was, quote, futile. Although authors still publishing today uh, do suggest that something is fundamentally, fundamentally wrong with permanent life insurance, Daisy's way of articulating that point is still new, uh, unique. Um, if you only have time to read some of his paragraphs, I would start there. On, on that note, I'll conclude this episode. I hope I will be able to upload the next one soon.